Hello Longview Point. As you are turning to Ephesians chapter 6, I want to take just a moment to tell you how much fun I had joining in on some of the Student Connect groups this past weekend. I got to jump in some of their Zoom meeting rooms and uh, we really had a great time. It almost felt like it was as close to a Sunday morning as I've been able to experience since we've been unable to meet. Uh, a lot of laughter, a lot of fellowship. So if you are a student and you're not involved in a Zoom Connect group yet, please reach out to me. Let me know that you want to, to be a part of it and we would love for you to jump in. I will get you connected to your leaders and let me encourage you adults. There are adult classes that are doing it as well. Make sure that you are fine that fellowship, uh, especially as we enter into the shelter of place, shelter in place stage uh, of everything, and just really try to stay connected as best as you can. But I loved that Zoom meeting with the students, and, and hopefully your students are enjoying that as well. Our text today is Ephesians chapter 6, and it's verse 16 as we talk about the shield of faith. We continue this look at the armor of God and, and get to really get into some fascinating imagery here for the Roman, Roman soldier. This is what our passage of Scripture says. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. My prayer today is that we will all have a greater trust in Christ and we will follow after him in obedience because of the time that we spend looking at the shield of faith and how it puts out these flaming darts. Uh, to help us understand the text, I, I really want to look at the imagery that Paul uses. Like I said, it just really stood out to me, especially as a, as a history major in college. The, the terminology and his pictures that he's seeing as he's explaining this to us. And the first thing I want to look at is the fiery arrows. You know, this is the strategy that the archers used during this day and age, that before the initial attack would come, the archers would just shoot these arrows into the, to the soldiers across the way uh, to begin the attack. And... The, the arrows were made to where they wouldn't burn very quickly and there was pitch on it that was a slow burning pitch as well and they would set it on fire. But the thing is, when it hit its intended target, it wouldn't just catch the thing on fire that it hit its target. It would also have devastation for those, those things around it as well. It was catastrophic and, and it would enable the, the soldiers to come up and attack after that because here they are distracted by these flaming darts that are pouring down on them from the sky. But what does that mean for us? What is, what is Paul talking about for the believer to, today of these flaming darts of the evil one? As you look at it, these are temptations that Satan is hurling at us. These are the things that he's coming at to, to get us to stumble, to get us to, to not walk as closely with Christ as we can. And, and the truth is we are all going to be tempted. There is temptation for every single one of us. We are going to come under attack and, and there's seasons of it where you're getting under attack more. And then there's times where it may feel like there's a lull and, and it can come and it can go. But a lot of times it comes at us very quickly as well. It may be thoughts that come to your mind before your feet ever hit the floor. It may be uh, even thoughts while you're spending time in God's word and in prayer. And all of a sudden you're thinking about everything else under the sun except for focusing on who Christ is and what he has for you that morning. It may be thoughts that you have while you're driving down the road, while you, you start to think and, and the thoughts that come to you and you don't know where they come from, but it may be selfishness or greed or jealousy or lust or anger or doubt or fear. And these are the flaming darts that are coming at you 
trying to get us distracted, tempting us to choose to sin over obedience to Christ. When we get into the, the temptation, we honestly don't realize the, temp- the, the devastation that we're not only bringing on our lives, but also on the lives of the other people around us as well. We've talked a lot over these past few weeks about the battle that we're in and who the enemy is. And just to, to remind you very quickly, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Church, we have to remember, students, we have to remember that, that those temptations are meant to injure us. They're meant to harm us. They're meant to, to hurt our lives and the people that we love and care about. And those are the flaming darts that are coming towards us. That is Satan's schemes of how to bring us down and make us less useful as soldiers for the Lord. But Paul gives us an answer. Paul gives us hope in this, and he tells us right here, back in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, he says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Like I said, the, the imagery here is so fascinating to me because when I hear shield, like I'm thinking like a small shield, you know, that you can kind of move around with and, and there's mobility with it, but it's not covering a lot of area. But this shield was a massive shield. It was about four and a half feet tall. So it was about the height of this podium right here. It's about two and a half feet wide. It was a shield that the soldier at his height was actually able to duck behind and his whole body would be covered by the shield and protected against these flaming darts that would be coming towards them. It was covered in metal and thick leather so that if an arrow did hit it, it would either deflect and go away or the leather would be soaked in water so that the flames would be put out as soon as it hit. And so there was this faith in the shield that it was going to protect them. But the, the interesting thing as you look at it, as you look at the, the terminology here, the first three pieces of armor, they all have a permanency to them. It tells you the verbs there. It says to have the belt of truth. It says to have the breastplate of righteousness. It says to have the, um, it says to have the feet of the gospel, the shoes of the gospel. Sorry, I went blank there for a second, but have the shoes of the gospel. But it changes the verb here with this next one. With the shield of faith, it actually tells us to take up the shield of faith, to, to take it, to have an action step. That's something that we're responsible for. We pick up the shield of faith, and when we see the fiery darts coming, and we, we use it to defend ourselves at that point, there is a, a movement, an action that comes from it. I, I was thinking about our faith. You know, we have faith in a lot of things. When I got up this morning, I went to the fridge, I pulled the milk out. I had faith that the fridge was going to do what it was supposed to do, that that, that milk was going to be the right temperature, that it was going to be cold. When, when I got to the car and I turned the key to crank the car, I had faith that, that it was going to do what it was supposed to do and that it was going to crank up and I was going to be able to drive. When I crossed over a bridge on my way to the church, I had faith that the bridge was going to hold me up and not collapse. And the same thing's true for the chair in my office. Like, we... We've gotten so ingrained to where it's just normal to us to have faith in these things that we don't even think about it. 
But the faith that we're talking about here in Ephesians is a faith that requires action. A faith that requires a, a, an actual movement on our part so that we can be living lives of faith. It's not coming naturally, but it's a choice that we're making to live out our faith. So how do we define faith? What is it? If we're, if we're talking about this faith that is supposed to impact every part of our life, what is it? I think the best definition that I've ever been given was the definition that I was given back when I was in youth group. Uh, quite a few years ago, but Brother Johnny Flint, who is known for his acronyms, uh, had an acronym for faith that has stuck with me ever since, and I think it's just a, a perfect definition. And his definition of faith was, forsaking all, I trust Him. You see, our faith is only as good as the object that we're putting our faith in. Our faith is only as good as the object we're putting our faith in. But can I tell you, there is no one greater to put your trust in, to put your faith in, than in Christ. The one who came, who lived a perfect life, something no other human has been able to do. Uh, he's 100% God, 100% man. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He conquered sin. He conquered uh, the grave. He conquered death. And he's alive and he's reigning supreme right now. There is no one greater that we can trust than Christ. He has accomplished all that we need to meet our greatest need. And he calls us to place our trust in him and says that if you place your trust in me, then I will give you eternal life. You see, we can have faith in this awesome, amazing, sovereign God. And the truth is that, that we don't need more faith. We just need to know the object of our faith more. The way that I would like to, to illustrate that is I could have a thousand rocks, but I'd rather have one diamond. It's not about the quantity of our faith. It's about the quality of our faith. And Christ is the utmost. He is the one that we can put our trust in more than anything. I love what John MacArthur said. He says, if you don't trust Christ, then you don't know him well enough. And if you really knew him, you would trust him. Church, I pray, students, I pray that we are trusting him more because I think that if we love him and we trust him, then we will not be carried away by the temptations of the world, but we will realize that all those things of this world, they, they fail in comparison to the glory of Christ and his intentions for us. He wants good for us. And so uh, the object of our faith is so important as we look at what faith is. But we also have to know that, that our faith requires action. As you look throughout Scripture, it is always a call to action when it comes to faith. I think about James uh, chapter 2, verse 17. He puts it very bluntly. He says, look, faith without works is dead. You have to have faith, but you have to demonstrate your faith by your works. Hebrews eleven six even says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, we can have faith the size of a mustard seed and we can move a mountain. And so our issue is not 
just more knowledge. We also need to just act on it. We need to act on the faith, on the, the things that we've been commanded to do. Uh, we want to submit to, to his purposes in our life and, and truly be living those out. I think about some of the examples that we see of faith throughout the, the Bible. I think about Peter, right? And they've been out fishing in the, in the Sea of Galilee, and they've been all night and haven't caught anything. And these were professional fishermen. They knew what they were doing. And Jesus walks up and says, hey, fish on the other side. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We're tired. We've done it all. And yet they cast the net on the other side. And their boat is almost sinking. You see, they were obedient and submitted to God's will. I think about the centurion who uh, sent his servant because his daughter was sick. And, and he says, look, I know you can heal. And Jesus commends him for his faith. He says, I haven't seen this kind of faith in, in all, of, uh, all of Israel, all of Judea. And you see this faith of the centurion and the action of just sending the servant to go. I think about the, the people listed in the, the Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 and how each of them had an action that was a response to what, Christ, to what God had called them to do. They had the faith and then they responded. They trusted and acted on what God was telling them. You see, I think the more we exercise our faith, it's really like a muscle you know, the more we exercise it, the more we're going to change the world with the gospel and for the gospel. One of the other interesting things about the shield and, and with the Roman soldiers is a lot of times they would actually go shoulder to shoulder with these shields. And, and, and the, the legion would be there and it would be almost like a wall to where they were locked in place together, where these shields were together. That's us as a church. What if, uh, what if we as a church were all connected together, lifting up our shields of faith and, and living lives completely obedient, taking the actions that God is calling us to, to make the greatest impact for his kingdom? I think that we would see some incredible things happening in Hernando and DeSoto County and Tate County and, and all around the world because of the shield of faith. So we've talked about the object of our faith. We've talked about the fact that our faith requires action. But there's one more thing about faith. Faith gives us hope for the future. Faith gives us hope for the future. We know that the God who loves us so much to send his son to die on the cross for our sins, paying our price that we could not pay, we know that he's working all things for our good. That he has what's best for us intended that he is the one who is working those things for our good. I brought this up earlier. Look back at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Hopefully you held your spot there. But it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So you see that's the, the one side of the spiritual warfare here. But it says, Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, uh, verse 4 says this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You see, we can overcome the world by our faith 
And our faith is being placed in that God has something greater in the future for us than anything this world has to offer. As you look at the shield of faith, it talks about extinguishing all the flaming darts. The easier way to put that is it just renders them useless. It's worthless. And that's really what the temptations of this world are. They're useless, they're worthless, and, and, and they serve nothing but to bring devastation on your life. But if we have faith and a hope for the future, then we realize that God is working these things. That We, we can turn away from those temptations, turn away from the things of this world, and we can focus on Christ and His goodness and His grace and the fact that we get to spend eternity with Him forever. And that should affect everything that we do in our daily lives today as well. Helps us to say no to temptation because we have faith that God told us not to do those things because he knows what's best for us. We can trust him. There's an old hymn from 1872 and uh, I've just always loved this hymn and there's some artists that have updated it since then. But it's just called, I Need Thee Every Hour. And in the second verse of this hymn, it says, I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. You see, when we are close to Christ, when we are focused on him, we realize the vanity of temptation. We realize the way that the temptations fall short, what they truly mean to us and the people that we care about. And we realize that those temptations are worthless and worth nothing compared to the goodness that God has for us and most of all, His glory, that we can live for His glory. And so I hope that you realize that the way to combat temptation is through a faith and a trust in the goodness and the glory of Christ that we will see uh, that He is the object of our faith, that we will realize that our faith requires action, and also that our faith gives us a hope for the future. Here's the point for tonight. Put your faith in Christ and actively allow Him to be your shield as you continue to seek Him. Put your faith in Christ and allow Him to be your shield as you continue to seek Him. If you're a family and you're watching this, I have a few questions for you to discuss together or, or maybe you want to discuss this with your friends over a Zoom meeting, however you want to do this. But here's my questions. What are you doing this week to know Christ more? He's the object of our faith. What are we doing this week right now to know Christ more today than we did yesterday? Uh, second question, share a time when Christ as your shield has protected you from temptation. We talked about how our faith requires action. The third question that I have for you, when have you obeyed Christ and taken a step of faith? Maybe it didn't make sense to the world around you. Maybe it was outside the box, but yet you felt God leading you through his word to take a step of faith and you did it. Question number four. Is God calling you to take a step of faith now? Is there something that he's placed on your heart that's true to his character that he wants you to do for your good and his glory right now? And then my last one's not a question, but a challenge. Read Hebrews chapter 11 and also the beginning of chapter 12 
and discuss as a family how the people acted in faith. Because I think you'll be encouraged and amazed at all the things people did because they trusted Christ and he called them to do something. So I hope that this has encouraged you. I hope that you enjoy this each week. And I'd like to close this in prayer. Father God, we thank you that you are the object, that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. That you are an amazing, awesome, holy and sovereign God. That your son, Jesus, died on the cross for our sins. And that we can trust you for everything that we face in life. That we know that you mean it for our good and that you work it all for our sanctification. And Lord, one day we'll get to be in eternity with you, experiencing heaven around your throne. Father, give us a a heart of faith. That we will constantly take up your shield, that we will reject temptation and, and cast aside the flaming darts. But Lord, that we will be focused on you and your face and your glory. Because you alone are worthy. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.